Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cave of the Cross Apologetics. I'm Patrick. I'm Tony. And uh, we're on the second to last chapter for Greg Kokel's book. This is the penultimate chapter. Penultimate. That's, the, that's fancy. <laughs> fancy word. Yeah. Uh, so we're on uh, chapter 18, Mini Tactics. And so this is the uh, the rapid fire uh, little things that uh, that are important. And uh, there's a lot to, to cover here. And um, so we've, we're kind of moving... Still within the how to respond to people, um, but uh, but this is uh, um, kind of a mixture of uh, both uh, kind of how to respond to people, but also how, how yeah how yeah. how flaws yeah. are found yeah and um, and so that's that's what we've kind of been looking at uh, previously and and then uh, one more chapter and we're we're done and then we might <laughs> might have something afterwards yeah um, so uh, we start off here with uh, with one of the. The mini tactics is what a friend we have in Jesus. Which, yeah. And so actually he gives us um, five of these, right? Five total, right? Um, so he talks about, um, he's, he says here, he's uh, developed uh, a handful of modest maneuvers that may help you, like they've helped me in conversation with others. And he calls them mini tactics, right? Uh, because the concepts are relatively uncomplicated and be put into play easily when needed. So it's, again, and Throughout this, we, we haven't really found a, uh, um, if, if A, then B, um, right. how to respond. You, you kind of just, this, this is how a conversation goes. And so right. these ones are, are not so much, um, you know, uh, like Colombo tactics where, right. where they're kind of the main crux. So um, he has, uh, what a friend we have in Jesus, which will be the first one. Sticks and stones, moving towards the objection. Watch your language. Always good. <laughs> and the power of so. Yeah. Um, so the first one here is, um, is kind of this general principle of a tactic and it's to pit the challenger, whoever you're talking to uh, against Jesus, whenever you can. Mm. Um, wow. Kind of makes so sense. They go up against Jesus. You, you know, oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> who wants to do that? <laughs> yeah. So, so he says, kind of step aside whenever yeah. you can yeah. and let Jesus shoulder the responsibility for his own claims. It really helps balance the scales. Mm. And so I, I kind of think about this as, um, as when, when people critique presuppositional apologetics say, Oh, you're, you're, you're starting with the the conclusion. Well, <laughs> my conclusion makes me, you know, uh, uh, present the argument of the gospel and that Christianity is true. And yeah. without yeah. the biblical Christian God, I can't know anything. I know things. Therefore, you know, that's my, my ultimate standard. Right. So this, this is just a, a, an offshoot of that and saying, you know, I believe Jesus is God. He knows the answers I'm presenting them. So when Jesus talks about these things in particular, let him talk. Yeah, right? yeah, <laughs> You might not like it, but you, you know that that's 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 the worldview I'm presenting. Yeah, the Plus, person. You're a Christian, right? He's, right. He's our source he, of authority. Heaven forbid the Christian yeah. talks about Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so uh, we 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 have uh, this this uh, kind of main example that uh, that he brings up about mm-hmm. a friend um, uh, wanting uh, Greg's Coco's uh, opinion on the safest way to answer the question. What do you think about same-sex marriage? Yeah, yeah, apparently his daughter, the friend's daughter, was going to give a, was going to have to maybe answer a question or give a presentation mm-hmm. or something like that, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so he uh, he suggested this. Uh, what a, a friend we have with Jesus, and so uh, um, how, how can we answer this kind of um, uh, odd question in the, in this day and age when you're supposed to be very PC and you're just supposed to let you know everyone do what's right in their own eyes and you know, if as long as it's not hurting you, then That's it right. shouldn't affect you. Yeah. So how, how do we present the 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 um, truth of what Jesus says with 
you know, what, what's faux pas out in the world? Yeah. yeah. Well, unfortunately we are Christians and so we should present what Jesus um, says. Yeah. And so he s- says that uh, the, the response that he thinks satisfies both requirements is to say, since I'm a follower of Christ, my view on marriage is the same as Jesus and his view. One he made clear in Matthew 19. I'll sum it up this way. Jesus' view was one man, one woman, becoming one flesh for one lifetime. So on the definition of marriage, I stand with Jesus. Mm. Now, there's more that you can unpack about you know, what constitutes uh, proper divorce or abuse and, and all the, the things that go around it. But essentially, Jesus does speak on this. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, no matter what, people like Matthew Vine and, and other people that try and say, oh, uh, Christianity makes allowances for uh, monogamous homosexual relationships— that just doesn't seem to be the case from Jesus' point of view. Right, right. So you either have to say that Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about. He he never, in in his uh, being fully God and fully man, he never envisioned what a monogamous homosexual relationship was. He never knew what uh, the year 2010 or 2020 mm. or mm-hmm. 2099 <laughs> looked like. And so um, you have to then disagree with Jesus. And so depending on who you're talking to, this is uh, definitely a, a, a formidable yeah. response. Yeah. Yeah, so one um, one man, one woman for um, uh, one flesh for for one lifetime, right? That's what Jesus held to right. in Matthew 18. So that's what marriage was for Jesus. And so, yeah, there we have an answer, and it's not our answer. This is what Jesus says. So mm-hmm. if you have a problem with it, you need to fight with him. Right, <laughs> right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, Jesus' comments in, in uh, Matthew 19 here uh, may also be helpful help you with a similar appeal to Jesus' authority. Well, Jesus never, never said anything about homosexuality. Yeah, he never said anything about right. that, He right? doesn't specifically say, <laughs> now, concerning homosexuality, this is what I decree. Right. Notice this is an attempt to use the what a friend we have in Jesus tactic against the Christian. Ooh, okay. Jesus so never this said this, so yeah. you can never talk about this because right. he never said anything. Right. So he has a friend in Jesus, right, right? in terms of uh, <laughs> Jesus never said it. There, right. Jesus is my friend. Right. <laughs> so if Jesus didn't specifically condemn homosexuality or same-sex marriage or gender dys- dysmorphia, how can Christians condemn it? That's the that's the thinking. That's the the response. Right. So, what can we properly conclude from the records? Apparent silence yeah, about so Jesus this is being homosexual. Argument from silence, right? right? <laughs> well, the answer is simple. What can we conclude? Nothing. Right. Not 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 much. <laughs> now you know there are good good better arguments for silence and and you know why doesn't Jesus talk about the use of tanks during World War II? Okay, you know you got me there. Yeah. <laughs> And so, so there, there are three issues at play here. And he says the, the first is that there's a difference between the record being silenced about Jesus' opinion on something and Jesus being silent about it. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember what uh, kind of the Gospel of John tells us. Jesus said a lot of things that aren't recorded in the Gospels. Right, right. But John recorded the things so that we may believe. So it's, it's offering us a way to, to know things. He right. providing So there was a, a purpose for why they gave us what, the Gospels, each Gospel, right. why they gave us what they gave us. Right. Right? Right. And John specifically spells out his purpose. Right. Right? Maybe he did tell John, you know, there's going to be this time during the 1940s where <laughs> tanks will be used. Yeah. So We just didn't hear about that. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the hidden mysteries of, of Jesus on the History Channel, if the History Channel does any history anymore. <laughs> so that's the first one. The second is uh, the apparent silence significance. And think about it. 
The record is also silence uh, on Jesus' view of slavery, capital punishment, spousal abuse, sex trafficking, racism, child abuse, gay bashing, to name a few. Oh, so he's silent on these. I guess it's okay to do those, right? right? And and yeah. and we hear about this one a lot when we talk about abortion. Yeah. You know? yeah. Oh, why, why is silent. Christians against it? Jesus never talked about right, abortion. Right. Jesus never talked about yeah. You're absolutely yeah, child, right. Child abuse. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus would be completely fine with child abuse and child murder. That's exactly, that's the, the inference. Spousal abuse, yeah. of course. He never talked you about know, that. So, yeah. That's what submission. <laughs> That's what I take it out of context to mean. <laughs> so do we infer from the silence that he approves of these things? Well, hardly, right? Mm-hmm. We, the, the, believe it or not, the Bible isn't a, a set of rules come down from on high on golden plates and they tell us, uh, you know, input this action, output this response. <laughs> it's not like that. It's it's presenting ideas and and forms and uh, different general principles that we apply. And, and uh, that's, that's what um, the New Testament authors do with the Old Testament. That's what New Testament authors do with themselves. That's mm-hmm. what the, the church fathers did with, with um, uh, you know, early church fathers did with the Bible. So that's, that's you know, the, 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 the response to it. And just because Jesus is silent doesn't, doesn't mean that we don't have general principles that we can also apply to it. Right. Okay. Good. Yeah. And so uh, the, the kind of the third uh, part here is it's difficult to conclude anything about what Jesus did not condemn, right? But sometimes we can infer Jesus' view on something we have no record of by listening carefully to his view on a related thing he did weigh in. Right, like, so we can make an in- inference based on what he said about right. those specific things. Right, yeah. you know, <clears throat> Jesus in Matthew 19 says, you know, have you not read? He, he that made them in the beginning made them male and female. He's talking about marriage. He's talking about the normal uh, operation, the natural way that God created human beings to to um, to interact with each other, and on what basis? And yes, there were perversions to it. There were uh, people that we deem as you know patriarchs and and good godly people, and they went off and had more concubines than <laughs> you could shake a stick at. Right. And so, so it, um, you know, the, there's the operational, uh, but there's also the the um, the ideology that uh, that surrounds that, and so uh, Jesus does actually speak ab- about it because he limits the scope of what marriage is. Mm-hmm. You know, why didn't Jesus say, "Well, one man and one woman, and another one, and another one, and right. a dog, and then right. you know, uh, uh, a tree"? <laughs> yeah. uh, it's it's because he does limit it. He he has he has spoken about this. He doesn't specifically say in kind of this Western context. And, that, and that's, that's how we kind of view things is we need a list. We need a list of provisions and we need a list of, 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 um, you know, negations. So right. that, that's what we want as a, as a Western thinking reader. We, we want them to say, you know, um, uh, Th- Thomas exclaims, my Lord, and my God. And what I mean by that is you are ontologically <laughs> the same as the father and the spirit. Right. And so you, you want Thomas to expand on this, but it's like, well, I'm sorry. That's, yeah, that's, that's not the, the way it works. Yeah, right? You're not, yeah, you're not yeah. getting that. I'm, I'm sorry. It'd be nice, <laughs> yeah. but you know, no one had video cameras back then. We, we don't have, uh, you know, uh, people signing copies and sending them <laughs> out and uh, stuff like that. So, um, so here, uh, Considering Matthew 19, it turns out Jesus had strong convictions about sexual subjects. Mm. According to him, the only kind of sexuality, one flesh, that's the proper is uh, that's proper is uh, sex between man and woman and a lifelong committed marital relationships with each other. So, what is Jesus' view on um, uh, online pornography? Well, he does talk about that in the sense that he he um, he made specific statements about what a proper relationship with sex and a person is. Mm-hmm. So we, we get that from, from uh, Matthew 19. Uh, 
Conversely, all forms of sex explicitly prohibited in the Bible, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, bestialities, and uh, are, are each automatically disqualified by Jesus' reasoning. His one simple principle rules them all out. So that's mm-hmm. what we're saying. So mm-hmm. he makes a positive statement, and from there we, we inference what what uh, what's out as well. Wow, what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's almost <laughs> the Christian thing to do. <laughs> And so, so it appears that uh, Jesus has a lot to say indirectly about the issue of homosexuality and same-sex marriage and gender dysmorphia and all those um, various hot-button issues, uh, giving giving uh, puberty blockers to children, uh, what have you, what, whatever whatever the next hot-button issue is. He, the, the Bible does talk about it, and, and we just have to um, uh, do the hard work. So take advantage of any opportunity you have to get Jesus on your side. Let him do the arguing for yeah, you. Yeah. You're a Christian. Right. Use it. Right. People may not like it. People say, well, I don't care what your magic sky fairy says, but it's it's part of your worldview that you're presenting as an answer. Yeah. So, you know, if, if they're like, oh, you know, that's, that's just uh, mythological tales. Well, that's just your opinion. I don't really agree with that. I mean, we can just go back and forth if we're just going to, uh, you know, t- cut everyone's knees out from, from what their worldview is, is right. allowing them to argue from. And so uh, you may have to set this up in advance by asking, what's your opinion on Jesus, right? right? Figure out where that person's coming from, and, you know, you get a whole range of issues like right. uh, he's a great teacher, he's an important prophet, he's, uh, you know, this, this guru, he's this um, archetype of, of uh, the perfect man of who we're <laughs> supposed to be, yeah. you know, that uh, Jordan Peterson type, type deal. Uh, he's a Christ of some sort, but not, you know, the Christ. Um, so you figure out where, where they, they view Jesus. Um, so if, and, if and, they, yeah. So if they have a positive image of Jesus and, and, and terms yeah. of him being authoritative and that sort of thing. All right. Now you can go with what a friend we have in Jesus right. because they've kind of legitimized who Jesus is and you know, what he's done and mm-hmm. what he stands for. Right. And so now you can use this one and it's pretty tough for them to back out of it. Right. right? And, and too, you know, we, we, we talk about this as, as a type of evidence is, is authority a type of evidence. Yes, if it's a proper authority, right. and so right. if Jesus is the one that creates those things and and um, you know uh, implemented the idea of marriage and what that is, isn't it proper to bring up you know who we agree that that um, you know started the whole thing? Right, yeah. that's 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 a way. And so um, I think too with um, with liberal Christians, if if you're if you're on the other side, um, figuring out where they stand on Jesus is kind of sadly a, a, a thing to do now. Well, he's he's fine, but you know we read. We read, you know, other gurus and stuff like that. So we just don't want to pigeonhole everyone. And, <laughs> you know, not everyone can can um, can find the way, the truth, and the life. So this is a good one. What a friend we have in Jesus, right? It's It allows us now to yeah. uh, to, to speak to these issues. And the person now has to interact with quite actually. So, 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 you know, it's good because we have an authoritative voice in Jesus. And it's pretty difficult for them to to, uh, you know, to refute or at least go against that, especially if they initially think that Jesus is a guru or a good teacher right. and that sort of thing. But it's even, it's, it's good because uh, it can get us into the scriptures. Right? Yeah. Let's see what Jesus said about right. that. Right? right. And I think it's important too, especially if they come at you with, well, Jesus never said those things. Mm-hmm. Oh, we care about what Jesus says now. Yeah. Well, let's, let's go. Exactly. Let's see what Jesus has to say about yeah. things. Yeah. And so they either have to back out and say, uh, well, you know, I was just using your, you know, worldview against you. Well, that, that doesn't seem to have worked for you. Or, uh, you know, I, I care what Jesus says because I think he's a good teacher. Well, if you think he's so good, don't you 
view some benefit of having a monogamous one man, one woman for life. Yeah, yeah that's that's because that's what Jesus said. Right. right. Yeah. 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 Good. All right. His next uh, kind of mini tactic yeah. here is what he calls these is sticks and stones, yeah. right? So, so this where you pick <clears> up the stone and when the unbeliever says, yeah. no, I don't believe in God, you throw it at him. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. what we do. Yeah. No. Yeah. Right. This is an ancient baseball. Right? Where you, <laughs> they're throwing stones and you're trying to hit it with right. a stick. No, there no, no. <laughs> yeah, so he tells us that my mom used to say, so his mom used to tell him, sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never hurt you. Right. So that's, you know, if you think about that, most moms would have, would have said that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think that's uh, on agreeing to uh, uh, start your own Twitter or YouTube page. <laughs> yes, that, right. that, that, that. Now, remember, sticks and stones. Yeah. Right? <laughs> he says it's a clever aphorism uh, encouraging us uh, to brush off foolish people. Right. And and ignore their empty insults and move on. And that's usually good advice, he tells us. Right. Uh, and it's entirely accurate, though he says, uh, uh, it, uh, actually he says it's not entirely ac- accurate, right? Why? Well, because first, names can hurt you. They can hurt you emotionally, right? Uh, so, you know, when we try to dismiss the slight, we can have, that's, that's an emotional hurt. So that's a... So, yeah, in a, in a way, they can hurt you, right? And secondly, when it comes to thinking carefully about uh, weighty matters, name-calling can distract us, and it can be a nuisance, right? right? It gets, gets us off course, right? And so, uh, so that's not, so it's not exactly accurate to say that, it, that they don't hurt. They mm-hmm. can hurt you uh, personally. They can hurt the conversation by getting us off course, right? Yeah. And so he says if we want to stay on target in an important discussion— we need to take action right. when these types of things happen. And so right? I think the key there is if you want it to continue. Because right. if someone's just going to name call and that's that's their big thing, is it really that much of a value to have a conversation with them? Right, right. Yeah. He says, and so this taking action then is where uh, the sticks and stone tactics comes in. Now, we don't pick up sticks and stones, right? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. hold on. You know, he says, this one is like the steamroller tactic that we saw earlier, right? right? This yeah. is a defensive tactic, right? It's a maneuver to protect you from a certain type of uh, ad hominem attack, which is name calling, right? So that's what this one is all about. Here's how it works. Whenever anyone tries to deflect your point by labeling you with a nasty name, you know, like bigot or homophobe or Islamophobe or racist or whatever, ask for a definition. Right? <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, we've seen this before, right? Yeah. He says the rhetorical force of these words is often, this name-calling words, is often so powerful that you'll have a hard time overcoming them unless you flesh out uh, their meanings and put them in the open. Right. Let's get our cards on the table. So what do you mean by that? Right. Pejorative labels succeed at marginalizing you because of their ambiguity. Right. Where they can have many meanings. And so we need to make sure that we nail something down with this person when they call us a name. Right. What do you mean by that? What 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 is that to you? How are you using that word? Mm -hmm. Right. And we definitely see this with uh, when we have conversations about, well, you know, I, I don't agree with. Uh, homosexual marriage because you know that's not uh, how God set it up, and I'm a Christian, and therefore I go by what Christ's definition is. Well, you're just being a homophobe. Well, phobia is a fear of. I'm, I don't fear yeah, homosexual. Yeah. So what do you? Yeah. What do you mean by homophobe? Yeah. Can, yeah. can Can you explain what that means? Just yeah. being a, against something. So are you a Christophobe <laughs> by being, uh, you know, a fearful of Christians and, <laughs> you know, uh, 
uh, speaking out against uh, Islam. Is, does that make you an uh, Islamophobe or are you just being critical of a, a worldview or a, yeah. a, 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 of a religion? A, yeah, of a religion. Yeah. yeah. Good. So, so these labels can, can kind of marginalize you because they're ambiguous and so you don't know where they're coming from. So we need to find out exactly what they're talking about. Right? Plus the person using them uh, has definitely noticed <laughs> this. Change the subject. So right. you were talking about one thing and now they've changed the subject, right? From the issue at hand to a question of uh, your character, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? which is quite frankly irrelevant to the discussion, right? And so we shouldn't fall for, for this, you know, uh, sticks and stones uh, or this name calling type of thing, yeah. right? And so he says that there are two advantages of, of asking for a definition. First, it stops the momentum of the illicit attack and puts you back in the driver's seat, right? So, you know, you, you, uh, you say, wait, 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 wait. So what do, you, what do you mean by that? Well, give me a definition of, of that particular term, right? And so now they have to stop, they have to think, and you're back in the driver's seat. Hopefully. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then secondly, it forces a person to think about what he just did, right? Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Shame on them, actually, right? right? Yeah. So once he spells out what he means, ask him why uh, his definition applies to yeah. you. Why, why do you think that definition applies right. to, to me, right? And, and then ask why he thinks it's helpful to impinge your character instead of showing, you know, where your idea went wrong, right? That, we're talking about this idea, and all of a sudden now, you know, you're talking about me. Mm-hmm. Ridicule, obviously, is not an argument, to, after all, and so your question could help uh, take some of the edge off of the attack, right? So um, make sure that, uh, though, that, you know, again, you know, when a person name calls, it's uh, it's usually an act of hostility. And so uh, we need to be sure that we're gracious and calm when, when we ask them for a definition and then offer our follow-up questions like, you know, your questions could help take some of the edge off the attack. So... You know, what, what What do you think made you, why do you think I'm like that kind of thing, right? And how, what does that have to do with <laughs> right. our discussion? Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. We're talking about the transmission of the gospel. I don't know how <laughs> it makes me an idiot. But, all right. So he says, most people don't realize that they've made a false move when they revert to personal smears. Uh, they, they've been so thoroughly socialized to use this approach that they right. don't realize that it's both intellectually unsound yeah. And it's also bad manners. It's very rude. Yeah. 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 And so you kind of nail them on it. You do it nicely. You get them to stop in their tracks. You get them to think about what they're doing. And you help them to see that, first of all, it's, you know, okay, if you really think I'm like that, okay, that's fine. But what does that have to do with our discussion? Right. Right. That's that's the thing that we need to to get back to. Yeah. Right. And two. This also applies to Christians. This yeah. is something that we need to look at and we need to say, um, apply some some sort of rule that may be golden to us and say, you know, <laughs> is this how we want to be treated? Well, those those heathen atheists are just, you know, uh, uh, eating dirt and they don't know, uh, you know, one way from up and they're just a, a whole bunch of dummies and uh, they, they hate God. And so it drives them to pure madness and just, you know, whatever, whatever mean things we can come up with. Mm -hmm. And so we need to realize that that's probably not the best thing to do in conversation. Right. Right. You know, especially, hopefully this person that you're conversating with, probably not online (laughs) (laughs) and probably someone that you enjoy. And so sometimes the, 
well, that's just homophobic if you're against homosexual marriage. Well, are you saying that because you think I'm homophobic or are you saying that because you've kind of heard that response from people that respond to people who uh, uh, talk about homosexual marriage? Yeah. And then what do you mean by homophobic? Right. right. So it could be, it could be a legitimate, uh, you know, I'm, I, I wasn't really thinking of what that meant. I've, I've heard this in the past. Well, aren't you just being homophobic to, to gay people? Oh, I wasn't saying you were homophobic, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Jesus was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so also a really good point for, for Christians to, to remember. Yeah. Uh, gen- gentleness, meekness, love. Yeah. That's, that's what we want to bring. Right. Uh, when, when they go low, we go high. So (laughs) name calling the sticks and stones, we say, Hey, what's your definition? And we could, because really they've gotten off the subject. Right. Right. And we need to steer them back. And so we halt them in their tracks Mm -hmm. by asking them, what do they mean by that? And then, you know, tell them that, okay, that's fine, but that's not what we're talking about. Right. right right. We're not politicians here. (laughs) We're we're talking about important things. (laughs) So the the next mini tactic he talks about is uh, moving towards the objection. Ooh, so moving towards the objection. So like running towards it or running into it? You know, sometimes it's the best. (laughs) So sometimes it's better to move towards an objection rather than away from it, to embrace the charge rather than run from it. Don't evade Invade. Oh, wow. I like it. <laughs> Embrace it, undermine its relevance, and take the wind out of its sails. In certain situations we face, that's good advice. Mm-hmm. And so this is an idea of you're talking about uh, something like, um, you know, are, are there uh, conflicts in the Bible? And so, um, you know, you, you can, you can, you, you've watched this person debate before, or you, you know where they're coming from. And you can say, oh, I know he's going to say such and such person. Um, who is a Christian also agrees with with my understanding that there are conflicts in the Bible, and so you can say, "I I know what uh, my opponent's going to say here, and and um, uh, you know I I don't hold to that same position, and so let me uh, say that he's mistaken in in these areas, mm-hmm. and so you present mm-hmm. kind of a, a positive case for mm-hmm. why that that uh, that view doesn't uh, um, comport with with what you're presenting, yeah. and so mm-hmm. you're. Kind of saying, now I know where you're going, and so let me cut it off at the knees yeah. here so that we can move on to something that I do believe or right. something that's important or, uh, um, you know, trying to stay on track of certain things. So, uh, you know, um, Martin Luther said this about uh, the, the Romans. Well, did, wasn't he also anti-Jewish? No, I know what you're going to say is he was anti-Jewish, but... You know that doesn't that doesn't have any uh, a pro or con for what we're talking about. Here. Right. So so this one, you know, you kind of agree with them because you know to a certain extent they may be right, but you show that the that their objection is irrelevant. Right. Right. right? That's that's the basic idea of this one. Right. Right. And so uh, he says that uh, I know Christians who are stumped when atheists charge there are a lot of gods you don't believe in too. Zeus, Jupiter, Thor. We atheists just believe in one less god than you. And it turns out the atheist is exactly right on this point, but it does him no good. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sure. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You know, you're right. You do believe in one less God <laughs> right. than I do. Okay, fine. Believing okay. in one less God ha- ha- than a, a monotheist is what distinguishes atheists from Christians. Yeah, that's why I'm a Christian yeah. and you're an atheist. Right. Yeah. You know? A equals A. <laughs> Nothing meaning follows from the ob- observation. The flummox Christian could simply say, yes, you're right. You do believe in one less God than I do. That's what makes you an atheist mm-hmm. and me a Christian. Yeah. We already know that. So what's your point? 
then watch the challenge fizzle. <laughs> and so he gives a lot of his examples here. Yeah. I, and I was like, for, for my response to this one is, that's absolutely true. You believe in one less uh, true answer than I do. It's just like two plus two equals four. I don't believe all the other possible answers. <laughs> I do believe it's four. You just believe in one less answer than I do, right? <laughs> yeah. We can't have any ideas. So he gives a number of these. The church is filled with hypocrites. You know, okay, let's move toward the objection, yeah. right? Actually, the church is filled with worse people than right. hypocrites, yeah. right? There's liars and swindlers and fornicators and adulterers, drunks and self-centered egoists and sinners of all sorts. That's why they need Jesus, right? right? So you you move toward the objection. In other words, you agree with them and then show why the objection is irrelevant, right? right? There are 130,000 words in the New Testament, but there are more than 400,000 variant readings, mistakes, differences, and errors. Wow. That's what Bart Ehrman writes. Yeah. Well, you know where Bart Ehrman got that number from? Dr. James White, who actually <laughs> made him increase the number. But there's importance to variants, and there's whole studies on, on why variants are important. And yeah. In fact, the very reason that we can call them variants is because we know what the originals were. Yeah. And so the variance is a, a, a better attestation of, of where we got um, the Gospels, the New Testament writings, the Old Testament writings, um, than we have for, say, like the Quran. Yeah. That that that's, uh, ends itself at the Uthman revision, and we kind of don't really have anything past then. And so it's hard to talk about, well, you know, what, what do we know was in the originals? And so these variants help us to, to understand that. That's great. Yeah. That, that, that's that's something that we should want to talk about. In fact, that helps our case. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, there's so much evil and suffering in the world. How can there be of God, right? So much evil and suffering. So let's move toward the objection. Of course there's so much evil in, in the world, right? So we're moving toward the objection. We're agreeing with them, yeah. right? We agree. And, yeah. <laughs> that's why you'd expect if the Christian account is true. The Bible doesn't just explain it. It predicts it. We live in a world... Humans broke, and a broken world produces broken people and broken situations. So we've moved toward the debate, and actually it's helped our, our cause, right? So we don't have to be afraid. Sometimes we can agree with what they're saying yeah. because it is true, right. and we can show it's irrelevant, and we can show how it helps our cause, right? right? Yeah. Um, things like your God committed genocide when he destroyed the Canaanites, which I I, I never understood why, why this was so such a big thing, but... I guess this is a, a, a owned, Christian's owned uh, mm -hmm. uh, argument. Of course God destroyed them. If you had witnessed the things they did, including burning thousands of children and even infants alive in sacrifice to Moloch, you would have asked, how could there be a God that allows these people to do such evil? <laughs> it wasn't genocide, it was judgment. Judgment, and not so, genocide, yeah, right? And so is God able to decree different forms of judgment? Yes, just like how he can send in uh, sulfur and fire to 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 burn up two cities, um, he can send his people, an army, to to go and cleanse the the land, and make it a motif that uh, uh, points towards Jesus. Yeah. And so that yeah. that's a, that's what a lot of the the Old Testament is, and so that's what the the New Testament writers also um, yeah. view. So uh, a naysayer's objection is often meant to push us off balance and put us on, on the ropes. Right. In right. some cases, though, rather than go to the defensive, it's best to cast the negative as a positive. 
Tell them they're right, then show them it doesn't work in their favor the way they think it does. Help them see that their complaint is not ultimately relevant decisions or damaging when seen in the proper perspective. Right. And wow, what do you that's know? a good one. What yeah. do you know? Yeah. World views matter. Yeah. <laughs> so move toward the <laughs> move move toward the objection, right? right? Move toward the objection. Yeah. The next one is uh, <clears throat> what he calls watch your language. So don't curse at people, right? That's right, right. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> that's not exactly what he's talking oh, about, okay. right? Yeah. He says much of our Christian lingo sounds like religious noise to outsiders. So what the idea is is we need to watch what we're saying in terms of our Christian lingo, yeah, right? Or Christianese. That's right. So worse, <laughs> he says, Christian jargon can be misleading. Uh, this is especially true of the word faith, for instance, right? Which suggests a kind of useful fantasy, a leap of uh, religious wishful thinking in complete disregard for reason or evidence. Yeah, pretending right? to believe what you don't know. That's right. And of course, he says nothing like this is in view. Uh, with the original uh, biblical word uh, in pistis, Greek, man. yeah, pis, yeah, pistis, uh, it, it, you know, still it's the way many people mistakenly perceive what we're talking about when we use the word faith, right? right? Definitely. And so he says to solve this lingo problem, right, uh, he says he makes it a habit of finding and using substitute words, mm -hmm. synonyms for religious terminology to brighten our conversation and improve our communication. Right. He's not lying. He's just taking the kind of almost the the religious, I've heard this before, aspect away from it and yeah, saying, right. this is what I mean by this word. Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, faith and science are opposed to each other. Confidence and science are opposed to each other? Or don't you have <laughs> trust? Don't, don't you have confidence in science? Isn't, <laughs> yeah, that, isn't yeah. that a good thing? Right. So mm, instead okay. of, you know, quoting the Bible or the word of God, right, both of them, he says, may be dismissed. Why not cite Jesus of Nazareth said this, right? right. If, if, you know, he's the one you're quoting. There and, it, and that's exactly what's going on. You bring more precise and that sort of thing. We're referring to the Gospels. Try citing something like this. The ancient biblical evidence or the primary historical sources. Which is what right? the Gospels are. Yeah, right. Um, for the life of Jesus of Nazareth. Say something like that. So that allows us now to speak in a way that the communication is meaningful and understood, right? Mm -hmm. Substitute trust, he says, uh, for the exercise of faith. So not faith, but trust, right? We tr I have placed my trust in Jesus. So, you know, so, and, and really, uh, you know, that's a more precise meaning sure. towards what the original had to say anyway, yeah. right? I believe my wife is faithful. I trust her. Right. I mean, it's, it's the same thing, mm -hmm. especially when you're dealing with something like, uh, can I save my own soul? Mm, no, probably not. In fact, I'd probably screw it up even worse than <laughs> if I was just, you know, made unaware of it. <laughs> if someone told me, quick, save your soul, uh, uh, I'd probably fumble it really bad. <laughs> yeah, and right. so drop my, it, break it. My, my trust cross. is yeah. in Jesus, just yeah. like how if, if you go skydiving and, and I, I um, probably butcher um, uh, Tim McGrew's example uh, in, in a debate where he says, if you go skydiving and the instructor packs your parachute, you have trust in him. You have faith that he packed it right because he's the guy that you're paying to do it. Right. And so right. your 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 knowledges of who he is, right? The the parachute instructor, he's done this six thousand times, he hasn't had one issue, he's packed it the same way, he's shown you how he packs it, and he takes you up in the plane. Now jump. <laughs> <laughs> the the act of pulling the ripcord yeah. is an act of faith. Wow. An yeah. act of trust. Yep. I believe yep. this. Or jumping out of the plane, I guess. Yeah. And well, and, both. And, no, and knowing to pull, pull <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Right. All right. So this, you know, so we're to watch our language. We want the clearest right. 
and most compelling compelling words that we can find right. to resolve difficulties and you know to help us communicate. I would truth. say too, especially in this day and age when uh, when Christianity is dying, whatever that means, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, people aren't exposed to these types of of, of, of language anymore, yeah. and yeah. and they might have misconstrued it. They've they've only gotten the uh, you know the um, every every sitcom has the the terrible Christian who uh, you know has an abortion at the drop of a hat and uh, doesn't really believe in God or want, wants it really to be true. And so that's the type of uh, um, kind of presuppositions they're bringing in, and you yeah. have to dispel it. When I say faith you have here, to I clear mean clear it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah Especially if people are writing books saying this is what Christians really mean when they say faith. <laughs> Don't let them get away with it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, one of my favorites, the power of so. Okay, so this yeah. is the last one, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I, I I like okay, just okay. You, <laughs> you you have a point. I'm I'm glad you made that. You get yeah. the last word. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> so the power of so. So many challenges offered by skeptics amount to little more than intellectual trash talk. Ooh, These are ooh. clever sounding complaints <laughs> that have rhetorical impact and effectively intimidate the opposition, but have nothing to do with any reasonable case against God or Christianity. Hmm. Here's where a bit of reflective thinking coupled with a simple tactic can be golden and just kind of take the level down. You know, it, it again, we're not trying to make the person mad, but you know, by, by responding to their claim of, you know, you're just an idiot. Uh, you don't know what you're talking about. I, I, I wish I, uh, um, you know, uh, when you're dead and gone, then uh, it'll be a lot less child abuse in the world. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. that means my point isn't true right. or, or it yeah. is, or what, well, how does that affect my point? <laughs> right. right? Yeah. Uh, so he says, <laughs> I want to teach you the tactical power of a humble two letter word. The modest words is a little giant putting the all back in the skeptics court and putting you in the driver's seat when used properly can stop a challenger in his tracks, turn the tables and get him thinking a little word used. The question is so, yeah. okay. <laughs> it's not uncommon to hear the dismissive Christians are stupid from critics. My response is you're right. Some of them are. So <laughs> right. what does that have to do with the right? right. The truth of Christianity. Right. Yeah. Uh, here's another one. Christians are hypocrites. My response is, yep. Some of them are. In fact, I would say most of them are. In fact, I probably am within the scope of an hour. You got me. I admit it. So? so? <laughs> Churchgoers have all sorts of vices, but this tells you nothing about Christ. Yeah. You know, the, the, uh, um, uh, I, I like your Christ, but I don't know about your Christians. You know, give us time. We're, we're working towards it. That's right. That's <laughs> God, right. God is working in us, I should say. We're not working towards it. That's right. <laughs> Here's a final example, one that uh, he's heard frequently. You're a Christian because you were raised in America. If you were raised in Iraq, you'd be a Muslim. Uh, my answer is probably so. And you can do this with them too. Yeah. The reason that you're an atheist is because you're living at this day and age. You wouldn't be an atheist if the, yeah. if you lived 500 years ago. Or you'd be a slave owner if you were in in the times. Oh no no, I would be an uh, uh, you know an uh, abolitionist. Well, when the abolitionists were torched and murdered and killed, and less than probably two percent of the population were abolitionists before the Civil War. You're you're one of those two percent. <laughs> oh man, I I wish I could have the convictions over time that you could. <laughs> so even if true, what does that tell you about the merits of Christianity versus Islam? Right. Nothing. Right. What does that tell you about the merits of theism versus atheism? Nothing. And also, this doesn't account for people that come out of those worldviews. In fact, mm. uh, atheists themselves come out of Christian families. Does that mean that uh, uh, 
that that doesn't account for for anything within that person's story about about uh, removing themselves from a Christian family of Christian upbringing. Right. No, that mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything about the validity of of atheism or, or or the positive aspects for Christianity. Right. So what they're really trying to say is, well, you know, your 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 social environment affects yeah. what you believe. Nurture nature. Well, that may be true, but that the question is, is the belief true? Right. Right. So, you know, we're not going to look at the source that's called the genetic fallacy. Right. No, we want to look at the belief itself, regardless of what our social environment, how that might affect us. Right. That's really what they're trying to say. And he's saying, so, yeah, that's true. But what does that have to do with the belief? Right. 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 This may be an interesting observation about culture or anthropology, but it tells nothing about the truth or error of the specific religious claim. So the power is so. These attempts are nothing more than genetic fallacies or ad hominems, all irrational missteps, not thoughtful responses. Anyone advancing such an appeal is being unreasonable. And so kind of just takes it for what it is. Mm -hmm. And so if they want to leave the conversation from there as, as a winner... So yeah, <laughs> let them. You know, yeah, you're yeah. you're not you're not there to hold people down and waterboard them into the gospel. You're there to present the gospel, and if no one wants to listen, that's up to them. Right. So listen carefully to a challenge, then ask yourself what follows, even if the claim is accurate. If there's nothing that you're aware of, point out using this tactic and see what happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. So, so these many tactics, he says, are modest, uncomplicated maneuvers that you can easily put into play when needed to help you in conversations with other people. Right. Right. And so that's the that's the basic idea of what he's trying to do here. So mm-hmm. he's giving us these five and he's saying these can help us in these various situations. Right. Um, so uh, from there, we're moving to the last chapter. So hopefully you've enjoyed this book. Uh, that, that's it for the tactical portion. So now we, we do the summary and we'll do that uh, next episode because there is um, uh, good challenges uh, that, that he has in, in chapter 19. Yeah. Um, more sweat, less blood. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, wow. <laughs> um, so, so it's going to get messy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're going to need a, a corner man in this one. Um, so hopefully uh, you've enjoyed this. Uh, th- thanks for, for um, walking through it with us and uh, um, join us next time when we uh, close the book and we'll figure out what to do next. Yeah. So thanks. Yep. See you next time.